on my 14th birthday, I ended up in trouble and with the law, and um, I was uh, I was um, I was house arrest uh, for four years until I was 18, mm -hmm. and I had to. I not many school wanted me as a as a as a student. And I had to make a, make a decision of, uh, of a, what I wanted to do in my life. And uh, talking with my parents, uh, I decided uh, to go to cooking school. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for being with me. Today's guest is Grégoire Jacquet, a French-trained chef from the Loire Valley who came to this country and developed his experience working as a banquet chef and was mentored and worked for the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Group and suddenly fell in love with San Francisco after traveling the world and applying his craft in many different opportunities, fell in love with the San Francisco area and opened a restaurant called Gregoire. And it's so unique because it's offering what he calls fine dining fast casual, which to the casual observer is not what you would think of at first, but locally sourced fresh ingredients using French cooking techniques and offering really nice upscale sandwiches and salads and sweets. And we can't forget the signature potato puff. There's a story in here about a unique failed experiment that turned into their most famous and successful dish, which has now been trademarked. And that is the foundation for a soon-to-be um, fast-growing and successful franchise model. So you're not going to want to miss this episode. It's all about Gregoire and all the opportunities that lie ahead in the restaurant space. We talk about all the current challenges, of course, and this episode has it all. Thanks to our sponsors this week as well, and thanks to our audience for tuning in. So, on with the episode. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. I've always believed in systems to run a really effective restaurant. They say you have a system if you can walk away and leave your place for a day, a week, or a month, and it's just as successful, just as profitable when you return, if not more so. Now, the staff are really the foundation of this, and it all comes down to the word empowerment. You know, if you've got really great people and if you can develop those people to have your back, and to run it as if they owned it, treat everything as if they had to pay for it, that's a super powerful system. Once you have the staff in place, it really comes down to three things. It comes down to one, staff training, development, recognition, and rewards to create what I call your dream team. How to empower your team to think and act like owners and to treat everything as if they owned it and had to pay for it. And to deliver amazing guest service experiences to your customers. To serve and sell because sales are the lifeblood of your business. Not allowing order takers on the floor, but teaching everyone to recognize opportunities and make suggestions that we know the customers will enjoy and appreciate. It all comes down to training, training, training. Number two, cost controls and maximizing profit. You need to know your critical financial numbers on a weekly basis, and it only takes 10 minutes, but you need to understand these things. How about your daily break even? How much it costs you to open the doors to your restaurant each day? 
Inventory is not just walking around and figuring out what your order is that week. It's knowing the true value of your goods on hand at any given point in time. And you need this information to be able to calculate your true food and beverage costs. Your labor costs are also important and running a weekly labor analysis against sales. If you know these things, I can teach you how to maximize your profit and control your costs. And then number three is what I call marketing firepower and affinity. You know, affinity is defined as a really powerful sense of loyalty and belonging where your customers become raving fans and they're like an army of brand ambassadors spreading the word for your restaurant. Well, all of this is included in the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. If you really want to take your restaurant to the next level, post-pandemic, things are heating up, customers are coming back, now is the time to really maximize your opportunities, maximize your sales and profits, and create that dream team staff. Check it out at restaurantrockstars.com. It's the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. There are many elements to consider when growing your restaurant. Are you connecting with diners enough and with the right message? Could your kitchen be putting out more orders than your dining areas have room for? Well, it can be overwhelming, especially when the reason you got into this business is for the food and the people. That's why restaurants get PopMenu. PopMenu is the marketing tech platform designed to make growing your restaurant easy, so you don't have to grow it alone. With PopMenu, you can capture more guests and their preferences through your restaurant's website that's designed to easily collect contact information and data so you can see what your guests love and why they dine with you. Connect and build authentic relationships with guests by using modern technology that personalizes marketing. Make all your systems work better together, improve margins, and conquer the chaos of your restaurant's digital presence. Pop Menu has a special offer for my listeners. For a limited time, get $100 off your first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash rockstars. Go now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash rockstar. Hey, Gregoire, welcome to the show. This is going to be such an exciting show because you've got such an interesting story. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's a pleasure being on your show as well. Well, this is uh, you've got a really interesting story in so many ways. Everything about what you're doing is is really unique and different in this business. So I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. So where does it all begin? Were you born in France? I mean, tell us your, your history and tell us about cooking and you're a chef. I want to know the whole story. Like how far back does it go and what were your early inspirations and did it begin in France? Are you classically trained? Tell us everything. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be a long story because I'm pretty old. I'm <laughs> 54. <laughs> but anyway, it started uh, so 54 years ago. I was born in Versailles, France. And uh, my my parents lived in uh, in in that city of Versailles. Uh, well, actually, it was next to Versailles. It's called Bailly, and uh, we lived there for six uh, six years uh, until they decided that uh, the city life was not good enough for us. We, you know, it, they wanted another story, uh, and they moved to the country. I mean, when I'm talking about the country, it was the Loire Valley, small village of eighty people. Uh, really, the country. Uh, it was not a farm, but we were really uh, around farming a lot. And we had a huge garden. We had pigeon, rabbits, dogs. I mean, it was really a change of life for my parents. And um, we were really, um, my, my dad was a car salesman. Uh, and so he was gone a lot. And so my mom would just raise us, three boys, uh, in, 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 it was a city called Grazet. And uh, she was growing all type of vegetables and cooking all the time. I mean, the good 
French French life, you know, the bread and the cheese and I and love the that food. Yes. Yeah. And the wines, of course, because Loire That's Valley right. is is famous for wines as well. Yeah, it's a region. Yes. And yes. uh, and I, I guess my geography, it's been a long time since I, you know, took French in high school and all that sort of yeah. thing. But Loire Valley is is that different from like Bordeaux and some of those famous, uh, you know, wine yeah. areas? Well, you know, I mean, it's like comparing Sonoma to uh, to uh, Napa. You know, yeah, they're very yeah. close, but they're very different in many ways. Um, there's not as much sun than the south of France. Definitely rains more yeah. in the Loire Valley. Um, the grapes are, are they're, they're different. Um, and life is different. You know, we have a bunch of cheeses that, that are different. It's a lot of uh, cows. So a lot of milk, dairy product, a lot of... Um, we do a lot of apples so calvados is one of the uh you know the drink of uh, of choice for the alcoholics <laughs> and uh but um uh we do uh yeah we 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 when when we lived in 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 france in grazé uh it was really all about the product and all about the farms and why we could get around because my parents were not very uh very rich so we were doing everything by hand and 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 so it was it was it was fun it was fun and you learned quite a bit which you now apply to everything you're doing obviously but but it's such you know it's so steeped in history you know agriculture in france and and oh, the yeah. farming and all the different products and how fresh everything is and you know what you do with the sun and the climate and the rain and and totally like you said it's specific to certain products and now that's an influence in you using local vendors for your fresh ingredients and you've got an upscale menu, but we'll get to that. Let's, let's yes. continue with your story in France. Cause this is awesome. Yes. So, I mean, I, I really didn't, um, I mean, my, my, my love of food started really young, you know, looking at my mom, uh, cooking in the kitchen, asking me for, you know, for help and me doing my own stuff like, uh, birthday cakes and, you know, I, we, we never went out. So I didn't know even restaurant life existed, uh, because we, we, we always ate home, uh, good food. And it happens when I was, uh, it was, um, when I was 10 years old, um, the, the, the canton, the canton, the, the city invited, uh, all the people in, the, uh, it's like, uh, every 10 years, uh, like I was 10 and then 20 and then 40 and 30, they, they invite the people for a party. Okay. And, and for the first time in my life, I went to a restaurant and I thought it was so cool. I was, <laughs> I was like so many people and it's like, um, I, I have to, you know, I, I have to get in, inside of that. I want to, I want to, I want to cook for that many people too. Fantastic. And that's where really I, I, uh, I learned that it was a, it was a job. It was really something I could do in my life. A career aspiration, even at that yes. age, right? You saw it as something you wanted to be part of yes. and you wanted to immerse yourself not only in the food, but the culture and the whole spirit yes. of cooking. And yes. I don't mean to answer your own question, but this is coming through loud and clear. And it's really inspiring because this is a business of passion and it's a business that literally brings people of all cultures together because, you know, it unites people in an otherwise yeah. divided world. And wow, this is beautiful. So keep going. Yeah, this is great. No, that was really the moment. Uh, yeah, and and growing growing up in a small city, I mean, I guess like everywhere else, you know, you, I mean, there's good things and there's bad things. Uh, my parents were not very, you know, uh, all over us because we were just going all over the place, and we, I had a moped, bicycles. So, and I, I uh, on my 14th birthday, I ended up in trouble and with the law, and. Um, 
I was uh, I was um, I was house arrest uh, for four years until I was eighteen, mm -hmm. and I had to. I not many school wanted me as a as a as a student, and I had to make a, make a decision of uh, of a, what I wanted to do in my life. And uh, talking with my parents, uh, I decided uh, to go to cooking school. And so we found a cooking school next to uh, next to our city, where I could go uh, two weeks in uh, learning at the school, and then two weeks uh, learning at the restaurant. So that was really the moment where I started learning how to cook. So this particular cooking school, um, I want to talk about French cuisine because there's so much to French cooking and the ins and outs of it. And I'm going to ask you that question, but this particular cooking school, was it focused on French cuisine? Did it expose you to other cuisines from other countries or was it French specific? Because, you know, we think of classically trained French chefs as being fully immersed in the French culture and the wines and the sauces and everything that's special about French cooking. But to go to cooking school means you can travel anywhere in the world and obviously you're going to be influenced by French cooking, but sometimes there are fusions that blend different cuisines together that's inspired by French or maybe the base is French, but then it adds Mediterranean or you know where yes. I'm going with this. What yeah, did yeah, you yeah, learn of course. things well, or was it really focused on French cuisine? In France, uh, the government has set up um, 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 exam, examined, you know, uh, uh, so so people learn the basic of, of french cooking or cooking in general uh i mean it's french cooking just because we're in france but it, mm -hmm. it's really the basic how to make a a, a, a stock how to make a, a bechamel how to make a may mayonnaise how to make all those those techniques that we learn and it's the base of, of french cooking so so this is what we learn we don't learn how to cook we learn how to how to use our techniques techniques okay yes Yes, knife techniques and and all types of techniques. How long was that program? How long were you in cooking school? About three, four years. Three to four. Uh, okay. I, it was yeah. it was two exams. It was a CAP, which is uh, the first exam you pass, and a, a BOP, which is a, the second exam. That's a little bit higher. And I passed both of them, flying colors, because I love to do it. I, yeah. You know. So. Yeah, and and so I was released in. I was eighteen uh i was uh i had both diplomas and i was ready to go in the world may i ask you um we're just about finished with with cooking school but it's you're running a business now did you learn any business skills in this particular cooking program you know costing out menus and and you know the importance of running that business aspect not just okay i'm I've got culinary skills and I can make amazing dishes and people are going to love my menu. But if I ever want to open my own restaurant someday, I need to know all these other elements that go into running a business, not just being a, a culinarian. Was that part of the program or did you have to find that out later in another way? Yeah, no, the, 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 as I said, you know, I was a terrible child. And I mean, if I had decided to go in a specialized cooking school just for cooking school, that would have been, you know, probably uh, what I would have learned as well. Mm. But okay. being a, a a a bad kid, I was uh, I, the only spot I could get in, into cooking was um, a school that was uh, not specialized in cooking. It was specialized in rural uh, activities. Yes, and they were they were finishing uh, young girls to become good housewife, and because of you know uh 
the the lack of of uh, of uh, farmers you know the, the, i mean it was diminuing them it's getting smaller and smaller they 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 found another way to make money and that was by cooking so i learned about running a farm more than running a restaurant gotcha okay so that all came later um yes. when did you when did you um move to the united states or what came next once once you finished that three or four year program so i did uh i did a um Three months, three months uh, staying in uh, in Courchevel in the south of France in a yeah in ski resort and climbing That's, climbing area. I'm familiar with Courchevel. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful and it it, it was it was uh, a high hand hotel, really high hand. But it didn't it didn't work with me. I was too wild. And after after four years of house arrest, I was not uh, you know I was not <laughs> I was not I wanted to have fun. So um, I I moved on from that spot to go to Paris uh where a friend of mine uh asked, asked me if i wanted to work with him and so i went to paris and that's where everything kind of began for me uh in in the cooking life the guy was uh the chef uh was a a, a chef from the pavillon elise le nôtre which was uh it's, it's probably is still a two two star michelin mm -hmm. restaurant and it was really good and, and yeah, i learned so sure. much from him and wonderful yeah Wow. So would you call yourself an apprentice at that point? Did you apprentice under this person? Oh, yeah. I mean, and he was a mentor to you. Yeah. It's, uh, not the, my first mentor, but he was someone that really uh, I could look up, up to, you know, after yeah. all those years of being a bad kid. So it was uh, it was good. Yeah. Set you on the path. That's that's yes. perfect. Okay. Yes. So what, and, what came uh, next? Now, so this the restaurant we were working at. I was working at was a, a, a an American restaurant. I mean, it was a French restaurant, but uh, the waiter were Americans, and they were singing and they were uh, d delivering the food to the table, and we were cooking the the French food. And I met some friends, and they invited me to the U.S. And uh, I went on vacation to the U.S. in uh, 1989. I came here to San Francisco, where uh, we're based. Uh, base now and uh i never left it was simple as that yeah that's this is the place for me it's so vibrant and exciting i mean san francisco has such a huge food scene you know it's like yeah. one of the world's great food cities no question about that any type of cuisine from anywhere in the world and you're finding it and obviously berkeley being a suburb um in the in the bay area of course has its own scene and now Okay, so you never left. When did you get the idea to start your own restaurant? When did that? When oh, did that happen? Oh. Well, actually, in I, France. I mean, it went way back. Like someday, no. I want to have my own place. Or when did this come to you? You know, I never, I never wanted to open a place, a restaurant. Mm. Never. I was very comfortable working for somebody. Mm. I mean, uh, as I said, you know, I worked I, when I came to the U.S. I worked for a, a French master chef called Jackie Robert, uh, also really famous. Um, and and I worked for for him for five years. Uh, I went from you know starting and not speaking English to uh, to running the the kitchen. Uh, and then uh, after a while, I I, I knew I was not uh, I was not really um, good at certain things. And for instance, management, managing people, uh, understanding the business. And I was good at cooking, but not not that not managing so i asked him if i could go work for the ritz carlton in the city because of um all the the management uh, technique that they have that was really interesting to me and after six months of waiting he got me a job as a banquet chef oh, which was 
It was amazing, amazing learning how to cook for a lot of people. This it's I think something that every chef should know. Uh, it's 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 major. It's a whole nother skill set, right? Yes. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So you've got you've got a well rounded skill set at this point. Yes. Five years there, boy. Seven is- years. Seven years for the Ritz Carlton. Seven more years. Okay. Yep. Seven more years for the Ritz Carlton, where I was executive sous chef. I I traveled a lot in in the world uh asia um the, the us too i went to boston i went to jamaica i went to the caribbeans i ran a hotel in uh, puerto rico to the ritz carlton there so well there's that point again i mean with this skill set and this is just obviously to our audience but our audience are owners and general managers and operators of all kinds in the hospitality industry but their staff can literally take these skills you know, go anywhere in the world. This is a business where yes. you don't necessarily need a formal education. You need a passion for what you're doing. You need to learn from others and be mentored, immerse yourself in the culture of food. And whether you're a bartender or a server or anything in this business or a culinarian or a chef, take you anywhere and do amazing things. And and you're an example of that. It almost sounded like you're in the Navy for a minute. It's like, I see the world. Yes. no. You've been around you- and you've seen a lot of things. Yeah. You got it right, Roger. You know, I mean, uh, I advise all my my cooks, you know, to at least stay one year in the place and then move around because you know you you you, you learn so much by doing things in 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 this business, and you have to travel. You have to go and don't be afraid to just take a plane ticket and, and go work somewhere else if you can. So, where did the idea for Gregoire come from? I mean, uh, that was two thousand two, right? You founded in two thousand two. Yes, correct. Two thousand two. So, so you finished Ritz Carlton. Uh, how? Yeah. So I mean the the transition Ritz Carlton uh, exceeding the Ritz Carlton was really the the key factor. You know, um, my, you know we wanted to build a family, my wife and I, because you know she, uh, she came in in between all that. So uh, that's also part of a you know the life of uh, a restaurant you know owner. Um, so my 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 wife and I uh, decided to make do a, have a family in uh, and we were at the Ritz in Puerto Rico, and uh, I asked them to move me back to the U.S. because I didn't want to you know uh, uh, do all this in in Puerto Rico. That I wanted to be in mainland with my in laws and stuff, mm-hmm. and they 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 refused to do it uh, just because they wanted me. They had another agenda for me. They wanted me to oh. do this and that, so I quit. Uh-huh. And, you know, I just said I'm I'm going back home. Uh, and we had a we had a home here in in Berkeley, California. We had a house waiting for us. So um, it was just a natural progression to to open something because I didn't want to work for anybody else. Um, and with my experience uh, all these years in 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 the kitchen and in in the front, knowing people, I I um, I never really connected with anybody for in, in the front of the house, which you know, you know, kitchen in front of the house, they're always uh and 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 I I I felt like my talents was not just in the kitchen, but also um with 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 talking to people and, and connecting with customers. And I really loved that. So I, I put two and two together and 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 I created Gregoire, which is a really a, a take takeout place, which is a kitchen. You walk in, you talk to the chefs, you talk to the cooks. You know, you can really uh, uh, understand the food and 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 talk about the food. 
and you take your food and you and you uh, go eat it where you want at home or uh, in the park or on the bench in the front of the restaurant, whoever you whenever whatever you want. Let me introduce you to GoTab. GoTab is a restaurant commerce platform with a suite of solutions, including POS, online ordering, mobile pay, and even a kitchen management tool. Now, you know I'm all about maximizing sales, but did you know that operators using the GoTab platform see 35 to 50% higher check averages and 20% higher tips? Now, that can be a real game changer for your bottom line. The GoTab platform empowers you, the operator, to run a leaner and more profitable operation. Listen to what GoTab customers have to say. Kent says with real-time analytics, we can manage our plate cost. When we switched to GoTab, we were able to lower labor costs and increase wages. Ian shares that our chefs and managers love to use GoTab. The back end is well thought out, intuitive, and easy to use. While Keem adds that the GoTab team is always available for us and extremely responsive. GoTab's flexible, easy-to-use solutions will simplify your operations, putting you in control of your restaurant's success. Visit GoTab.com rockstars today to sign up for a free demo and get qualified to receive a complimentary meal. Again, that's GoTab.com rockstars. Listen, you've heard a lot of noise about the ERC tax credit. Why is it such a big deal? Because your business already paid a ton of money in payroll taxes, and more than likely, you qualify to get a ton of money back. Now, if you haven't applied yet, I'm telling you, drop everything. Drop what you're doing and figure out how to get it done. The truth is, and I'm speaking from experience here, it's super easy to get the money back if you let an expert do the work for you. Now get on this before the government either changes the program or runs out of money. I got hundreds of thousands of dollars back from my restaurant and it literally saved our business. Now you may have heard it may take many months after applying to get your money back, but that doesn't have to be the case. If you need your ERC refund sooner to run your business or to take care of some much needed projects, you can speak with Karen Garbett, the owner of Verge Funding Group, about a bridge loan or other working capital. Now, whether you wait for your check, opt for a bridge loan, or other working capital, it's likely you have a significant amount of money due back to you, so don't lose it. Now, go to the show notes for this episode on our website and use Karen's calendar link to set up a time to chat with her personally about how much money your business can get back. So that's basically uh, yeah. Gregoire came in. Okay, well, wonderful. Well, you kind of call it a fine dining, fast, casual restaurant. And when most people think of quick server, fast, casual, it's not elaborate food, but you're obviously putting out really nice sandwiches and salads yes. and, and sweets and that sort of thing. And then you invented the potato puff, which we're <laughs> going to get to. And that's a yeah. story unto itself. But I guess the tagline was gourmet to go. You're offering really nice foods where you can walk in and order it, or you can take something out. And like you said, you can eat it outside the restaurant. You can eat it in the park or whatever, but it's not your typical fast food. It's created with flair and with skill and, and obviously with love and passion. And you're using locally sourced ingredients, I understand. So is it a farmer's market? Do you have relationships with different, um, you know, local vendors? Like, tell us about that. Well, it first started years ago, you know, I mean, uh, 20 years ago, it was it was unheard of to 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 do such a thing, you know. Uh, and yes, I, I went to farm at the beginning. I went to farmer's market. I, I made relationship with uh, with with farmers um, and, and uh, to get to get uh, the right product. And, and 
um I, I, of, of course it evolved uh now that uh you know we we're m- much busier and you have to organize your business in function of that but i still have a lot of farmer coming to me not me going to them uh so this this is really the change you know i mean uh, my my uh, veg- vegetable farmer uh we've been doing business for 20 years together actually um and i used to work with uh, that same farm uh when i came to the us uh in 1989 so it goes a long way same for my meat uh my meat provider i used to do business with them uh, in 1989 and i still have them as of today so it's all about the relationship it's all about you know quality of product and 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 having people know what you want and what you what you you know uh, what to expect from them so it's really the, the the base of uh, our business. Do you have help in the kitchen? Like you've got a relatively small footprint, which is perfect for this franchising model that we're going to talk about also, which requires relatively few staff. So it's a simple concept that's offering a nice upscale product. Are you doing most of the food preparation and cooking yourself? Do you have a, are you mentoring someone else to do what you do that has you know, similar skill sets. I mean, tell us about that because again, we have a franchise idea and we want to duplicate what you're doing here and make sure the consistency is there because your model is really the Bay area from Santa Cruz to obviously San San Francisco and Napa and Sonoma and all this kind of stuff. And then you have bigger aspirations to move across the country, but tell us about what's required to reproduce the foods that, that you're offering right now. And if you're training other people to do what you do with similar skill sets yeah so i mean the, the good thing with gregor and, and and it's really the the base of this model is is a high-end product high-end techniques and uh it is difficult to find um, um good help right now uh i've been very lucky because the people that i have with have been with me for 15 20 uh, 15 or no, 20 years now but 15 years and uh, that's uh, 13 time. years eight years so uh that's you know it's a good thing but still you know you, you need to find those people that have the uh, ability to cook um the the yes we do all the preparation at the restaurant at this time okay and and uh using all those french techniques and this is why um we we for the franchise we decided that uh the we were going to do the uh the all the cooking all the preparations just like we do now and we will sell all the uh, product already pro um, processed all the preparation done uh and uh, and apportioned to to the franchises so we'll have a central kitchen i'll we'll call it a culinary hub yes and, commissary uh, we'll type kitchen that's right and we'll have all those i uh-huh. uh, highly trained uh chefs uh to work there Beautiful. Um, to answer your question i don't work in a kitchen anymore for a while <laughs> oh, okay. uh, i yeah i you know i train people i learn how to train people at the ritz and and uh you know i pass it along to my business yes i i you know i don't work that much anymore in yeah, at gregoire probably five to ten hours a week now Terrific. That's an exit yeah. strategy. There's yeah, a lot of operators that are trying to systemize their business so that they can do what you do. So I, I think yeah. that's tremendous advice. So you obviously worked on this business. You don't work in it much anymore, but now no. you've created the framework so that others can duplicate what you're doing and you're going to have that big picture kind of at 30,000 feet. Yeah. Okay. That's Perfect. correct. That's great. Yes. 
So what about, have you found any problems with cost of goods have gone kind of crazy and it's been very volatile since the pandemic, but you've got these longstanding relationships with the local vendors and farmers and that sort of thing. But obviously there are th- things beyond their control, their costs go up. They've got to pass that on. Have you had many issues with um, rising costs when it, when it comes to your goods you buy? Yeah, of course, like everyone else. You know, um, the, the, I mean, the good thing in some ways, uh, there is no, uh, I mean, because I deal direct with the farmers, uh, there is nobody in between. So uh, yes. it's, it's really, it's really fast. It's really correct. It's really clean. Uh, if he raises this price, he raises this price for me. And, and I, you know, it, it is just really uh, straightforward. I mean, I have tools at the restaurant. Uh, we have tools uh, that uh, um, collect all the, the data from all the pricing and the quantities so um it's very important i'm a i'm a data kind of guy uh, yeah. you know working at the ritz i like numbers so i mean i implemented all those tools we know food cost to the minute uh, we know exactly how much money we spend daily on Thank food you. and uh so i mean it's it's got to be this way Let's talk about economies of scale. Um, we're going to get into the franchise in a little bit. I don't want to go too deep into that just yet, but the first thing that comes to mind is you've got relationships with local vendors and traditionally they're going to be more expensive because they don't have the buying power and the economies of scale. But now you're going to have more buying power as your franchise model grows and you're going to be buying more product that's then going to go to the commissary kitchen and all that sort of yes. thing. Will they be able to offer more volume, you know, discounts for you to purchase more in, in bulk than you're currently doing now as you continue to grow? You've already had yes. those discussions. They know this is coming, right? And they can handle yes, the yes. volume too? Totally. They, they, they have Great. no problem. I talked to my farmer, my, my meat people, they're they're ready for the, for the growth. Excited definitely. excited for the growth. Uh, yeah. And, and I mean, it, as I said, it's a relationship, you know, so we're really, um, open. We're really, uh, clean into the way we, we talk to each other. I, I don't want to, I don't want to rip them off. I don't want to rip off anybody. You no. know, I want them to make money. I want them to business, business relationship. And- it's a win-win. Everyone should make money and be happy with the relationship. Yes. Right. And, yes. Sounds like- and, and, and it's been working for 20 years. So, I mean, yeah, they're they're really happy uh, we're growing. This is the beautiful story so far. So we know about the menu and the food, and obviously you put a lot of love into it, and it's upscale and whatnot. Well, how would you describe if I walk through the door right now of, of Gregoire and I and I've never been in for the very first time? Uh, let's talk about the ambiance. Are you playing? You know. French music in the background. Is it setting the stage for the experience before I actually order the food? I mean, what's it like inside? No, it's it's really down to earth. You know, okay. I'm not a complicated guy. You know, I, I like things to be simple. Uh, the food is simple. It's not complicated. The, the, yes, we use we use really uh, high hand techniques, but but the food in itself is very simple. There's few ingredients, good ones, so the result is great. Um, when it comes to the look, we we are not really um, we're not we're not focused on 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 wiring people with with the way we look. You know, I want them to come in and to have only one thing in mind is the experience with the food that they have and the service. You know, so we're not trying to flash them with 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 designs of of restaurants and all this stuff that doesn't mean anything really uh, to you know to the to the environment that we want to create. So I'm hearing genuine and authentic. Totally. And 
and it mirrors who you are as a person and the experience that you want to offer. Okay, so let's talk about the service. Um, how do you train your people in hospitality and what type of service can we expect when we walk through the door? Um, besides friendly and personable, obviously product knowledge is important and people ask questions all the time and your people have to be knowledgeable. They have to be personable and be conversationalist, but still be efficiently serving people. So uh, you've had people for a long, long time. So they obviously have a passion for what they're doing too. And, and hospitality is at sort of the foundation of that. Yeah, I mean, it's it starts at hiring, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I always talk to the hire, the first hire. I always talk to them, and and I want to make sure they have the same. I, I want to make sure they are nice people, just nice people that care for other people. You know, they don't have to have talents, they don't have to have anything, but just just nice and genuine, you know. And that'll come through the service, you know. Um, I mean, when you come to Gregoire. I want I want I want the customer to feel like they're coming into their own kitchen. They're coming to their own family. I mean, so I, I don't want them to be complicated. My employees, I want them to be just like who they are, you know, and, and that I want them to be robots. I want them to care. Just that's it. Um because because I want them to treat the customer like their own their own family. They want, you know, I, I want to come and feed you and, and make you happy. Yeah. So that's basically the feeling I want to give. Well, I ran restaurants for 23 years, and that's exactly what my approach was. We always said we can train for experience, but we cannot train for the passion for the business and the personality of the people. They either have that special, you can just tell that they really like meeting new people and making friends for the yeah. restaurant, and they like immersing themselves in that culture and camaraderie of, of yeah. restaurants, because restaurants are fun places to work. But the spirit and the culture of the place determines whether you fit or you don't fit. So I'm, I totally agree with, with your approach yeah, there. When, when I opened Gregoire, what I wanted, I mean, it started with me, a cashier and a cook. That's it. So three people working in a kitchen six days a week. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted Gregoire to be really the neighborhood restaurant where people feel like they can come in, order their food, and the food would be different, you know, seasonally or, you know, um, and, and so this is what I achieve. And this is why I want to achieve all over the, the country, you know, places where people can come and feel like they're home, feel like, you know, they know the owner, they know the employees, everybody knows them. Yep. And that's what happened here at Gregoire Beautiful. because of, you know, the, this feeling of, you know, family, family oriented feeling. Well, that's what it is. And now you're talking about culture and yes, every business has sort of a mission statement and what we believe in, but culture goes beyond that. It's it's what you're creating that everybody is on the same page, working toward a, the same goal, and everyone just likes working together. And it feels more like family than a bunch of employees. And it sounds like that's yes. what you've achieved. So that's your culture. Oh, that's yes, that's tremendous. Yes. So you stumbled on this idea, right, by accident. Tell us about the potato puff, because that's a fascinating <laughs> story unto itself. And now that's a huge part of your future business model as well. So take us yeah, back. Definitely. What happened? Oh, so so we have uh, a recipe in France of potato. It's 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 a nice potato. It, it it's like a batter that you deep fry and it's crispy outside and it's 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 kind of uh, has some some uh, some stuff inside but the way they do it in france is just not i i never really liked them like that and but i was trying to recreate it for gregoire when i read even before um because i was going to change the menu monthly and i needed a lot of ideas so i said oh i'm, I'm going to make this potato 
and I I uh, I did it in my my in laws' house, and I just for them to try. Yeah, and and uh, I, I made them, and it just didn't turn out the way I you know the way the recipe worked, and and I give it to them, and it's like, oh my god, this is so good. It's like, oh my, wow. And I'm, I'm like, well, but they are not the same, but maybe I have something there. So when I opened Gregoire, I had this potato that I, I had made and I started doing it and it's much more dense inside. It's much more, uh, but it still has some kind of cloudy quality and crispy outside. And uh, I was supposed to remove them the the second month of, of the menu just because I changed my menu. And right. people were like, no, 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 no. You, you can't move don't. that out. You, you, you can't. It's impossible. People were just becoming all crazy about it. And so I kept them all along. So it's been 20 years, 21 years. So it was a failed experiment at first, but then you yes. stumbled onto something that people loved. Uh, did you instantly knew you had a hit and you instantly wrote down exactly what you did to do that so that you could recreate it simply over and over and over again. And now that's like the master formula. That's correct. That's correct. When, when yeah. I did them, I, 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 I mean, I, I had the, I had it, write it down already, but I had made the calculation wrong. Mm -hmm. So I added, I added down. So when I, when I opened the restaurant, I knew the proportions and I mean, not that, I mean, I like them much better than, than the, the stuff they do in France. Um, but, um, no, it was, it was, it was, uh, it, it, it is just very different. It's like mashed potato yes. basically, but it's crispy on the outside. So who doesn't like mashed potato really? Oh, I love mashed potatoes, especially when they're really buttery and even a little hint of garlic, which tells me, well, I understand that you've taken the original basic potato puff and now you've added other variations to it. Tell us about the variations. So um, we, I mean, I've, I've, I've done many variations, but the one, the most popular is the truffle uh, truffle oil variation. And people really like that. And, and, and the garlic and parsley uh, variation is it's butter, garlic, parsley, and we toast them around. And we also do Parmesan cheese, mm -hmm. which seems to be the, uh, the, the most popular, but I did, uh, yeah. I did uh, lime, uh, you know, powder on it. I did uh, barbecue. I did, uh, uh, jalapeno. Uh, I did. I, we experiment with a lot, of, with a lot of uh, potato bar uh, flavors. Nice. Yeah, I mean, again, you can see them on the website, and they look really, really tasty. Now, you have a dipping sauce or sauces that that accompany the potato puff. Yeah, we do. Uh, we change daily or every two days. We do. Um, 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 well, you guys call it aioli, but we call it yeah, aioli. I'm familiar it's with that. It's a flavor flavored mayonnaise. Uh, it's uh, mm -hmm. it's a corn oil based and mustard, and we flavor it with you know uh, a bunch of ingredients. Sometimes it's barbecue uh, barbecue sauce or uh, or um, uh, what a lemon or uh, whole grain mustard uh, flavored. I mean, we we just go wild on this. You know, it's really uh let me ask was it well no because obviously you know this is what you do you, you're a culinarian and you're and you're a chef but you mentioned that the original potato puff that was the the better recipe that your in-laws loved was created like in their kitchen so you obviously didn't have commercial cooking equipment you didn't have a large scale oh, no. fryer and now you've got to make these things in bulk because the idea has really taken off yes. and now it's super popular so again when you're a chef you can suddenly well you worked in the hotels for Ritz Carlton and you saw and you were a banquet chef so you know how to take one recipe and then feed hundreds with that recipe 
No, right. yeah, it's it's a it's a science. Uh, huh? Actually, uh, <laughs> it is it is a pretty difficult and uh, long process to make potato puff. Uh, it's not an easy. Ta- it's 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 easy to process. I mean to to make and to dip in the fryer because it's just a batter that you sure. uh, that and you put in the fryer. It in. Yeah, but making it it's it's a it's quite a long process and it's got a lot of uh, hard little uh, uh, nuances to it. Nuances and techniques to do. Yeah, okay. not everyone can make them. Truly. Well, I guess that's a good thing. It's a it's a competitive advantage. So, did they take off? Were they an immediate hit? How did you introduce them at Gregoire? And it, did you do any marketing around it? Did you give people taste samples, and then they're like, "Oh my God, I got to," I get, you know, like you know, um, how did how did it take off? It, it just by itself, word of mouth. You know, uh-huh. I mean, oh. uh, a, a month after um, uh-huh. we we got an article in in the newspaper, and they started talking about the potato puff as being one of the best thing they've ever had, and ever since the people has, have been coming and and ordering the potato puff, and I mean, we sell we sell hundreds and hundreds a day. Um, That's beautiful. But yeah, no, I I don't do any marketing. And sometimes when when they come to people come to the restaurant and we have extra potato puff, we just say, "Oh, you haven't tried the potato puff? I have some of that." But you know, it's everybody uh, knows it now. Yeah, um, but I I have a like right now. I I created a <laughs> I created a what you call it? Um, it's a it's a coupon. I mean, let's see this. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a free potato puff that I'm going to hand out people. Well, you can't really see it, but uh, this is, um, I came up with the idea, you know, I mean, why not going around town and and giving uh, this little uh, potato puff, free potato puff card, you know, talk to people and say, oh, yeah, Gregoire, and I never tried Gregoire. So, oh, well, there you go. I have a free potato puff on me Uh, so they can come and get their order of potato puff. Yeah, you know, that's bringing me back to my restaurants because we had lots of what we called cash cows and they were hooks, meaning they were catchy and they were very, very profitable to sell. They didn't cost a lot, but they had very high perceived value and the smell and the taste and the presentation was such that you could charge a good amount on the menu, but they didn't cost much so we could afford to give them away to build the business. Did this a long time ago. And and ours was garlic knots. You know, we were a wood-fired pizzeria and it was literally trimming of the pizza dough that we made ourselves. you know, brush it with a little bit of olive oil, sprinkle a little Parmesan and minced garlic there on there. Go. It bakes up in the oven. My, my, you know, my cooks would tie them into knots and then suddenly <laughs> you've got a basket of these things with a homemade marinara dipping sauce. Nice. And, were, and like you, I mean, we I sold mean, thousands bad. of these yes, things, you know, of course, of and course. we could give them away too, just to drive new traffic to the business. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, you're bringing me back because you're doing something similar. So you've trademarked this idea of the potato puff, and now you are home of the potato puff. What was that process like, and how long did it take? And did uh, the official U.S. Patent and Trademark Office have to taste these things and, and recognize that there's something special here and that no one else should be able to hold that trademark? Well, How, do, how does that work? You know, we we we've been making potato puff for twenty one years, so we we are definitely the home you own of potato it. puff. I mean, yeah. there's no doubt in anybody's mind. Mm-hmm. Um, we started to really put 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 the the home of the potato puff on the map uh, about two years ago when when we um, when we focused on the franchise more, okay. um, and the 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 trademark of home of the potato puff came in uh, about a year a year a year and a half ago. We started a year ago. I didn't think it was going to be possible to just trademark home of the potato puff. That's why I never really started. But 
Um, I have a good lawyer in, in uh, for the franchise and he's uh, also a trademark lawyer. And I say, can, can you think we can do that? And it's like, I think so. And so it took, yeah, a whole year, uh, to, to really, uh, have them, uh, they didn't test the potato puff. They didn't, I don't know how they, they trademark, uh, uh, names and stuff. It's like home of the hooper, the whooper, you know, I mean, it's of like, course. Oh, you know, yeah. but, yeah, yeah. but, uh, they do their research and, and okay. they said, yeah, you can put a little R on it. That's fantastic. I know. So there's a there's a lesson here to the audience. I mean, a lot of restaurants that that listen to us have their signature items and their signature specialties of the house. I mean, that's been going back as long as there's been restaurants, but you know, unique names, unique processes, um, you know, having those hooks that I call them that really set you apart from the competition is it's just a way to get that buzz going in the marketplace and on online reviews and and things going viral where they take pictures of the potato puffs and suddenly it's like yeah. on everybody's Facebook page and then it gets shared yeah. and this is free marketing for your business and we yeah. couldn't do that before there was an internet, you know? And it was yeah. word of mouth, like you said. Word of mouth was always the most effective form of advertising that didn't cost anything and you really need to play that up and now there's an element of that, but now this whole, you know, it's taken on a life of its own, I'm sure. And like you said, it's probably the most popular thing you sell. That's terrific. And and I Definitely. love it. You know, uh, are all the different variations really popular or is the basic one the one that sells the most? But you said the truffle oil is really popular also. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, th I think um, when people come first, uh, they, they, they try the natural potato puff. And then they, 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 they go different variations. So I have some people that do all three of them together. Oh, so you uh, can mix and match. You can get an order. Oh, and it's yeah. like, I want two of the basic and I want two of the truffle and two of the Parmesan or. Okay. Uh, I want one order, one order with yeah. Parmesan, truffle and garlic. We do that. Like the, yeah, the whole work. So yeah, I have a lot of people like this, but usually in general, it's, it's okay. mainly, uh, you know, uh, they're really good with the sauce. They're really good by themselves. Uh, and everybody loves them. Babies, babies. I mean, oh, uh, wow. Oh, oh yeah. But it's nothing so to chew. Just, so you can, yeah, you break them <laughs> and they kind of melt in your mouth too as well. Oh, yes. Probably. Yeah. Oh, yes. And they're dangerous of the fryer. They're so hot. They're molten hot and people are just, they don't care. They don't care. They just pop them in and, and it just burns them, but they love it. I mean, go. So they're best served hot, obviously. Do they taste well cold? Like if you refrigerate your order and then do people like to reheat them or are they good cold as well? I have some people uh, coming to me and say, you know, I want an order and we eat half of it today and then we put it in the fridge and the next day they put it in the, in the, in the microwave and they, they, they love it this way. So, I mean, I can't, I can't think about having a potato puff the next day just because i eat them all <laughs> i'm sure yeah of course well i'm sure a lot of people do it's like you can't have yeah. just one right it's like the potato yeah. chip you can't have just one but i mean no uh, yeah they, they they you put them in the oven that can be reheated or or i mean i would advise to deep fry them again just because twice deep fried things are not so good but uh bake back in the oven it's it's giving them your life yeah do you have any aspirations? I mean, you've got your hands full, obviously creating and, and building out your franchise and the growth model is going to take a lot of your bandwidth, but obviously there's success stories like what you're talking about here that then suddenly gets put into supermarkets nationally. And now you've got something that's branded Gregoire that's in, that's the house cat yeah, is, is part that's of good. Yeah, no the shop. <laughs> yeah. I had to look them out because they would be on my lap right now. <laughs> I have that's a dog fun. and a cat. So, so do I, this one, uh, well, 
This one likes to hang out in the studio sometimes, and it's funny. Um, but anyway, thank you. Cute. So, yeah. yeah, so curious. I mean, do you ever see this working in the supermarket, or is it possible to freeze and reheat this product so that it oh, yeah. still retains the quality and the flavor profile yeah. and everything? You know, long ago, I was about uh, two years or three years after I opened Gregoire, I got mm -hmm. uh, contacted by uh, Lam Wesson. Oh, wow. Uh, yes. yes. And, and, um, and uh, after signing signing NDAs and all this and all that, they flew me over to uh, to their factory in uh, Idaho, and uh, they had me made a presentation to uh, to a whole bunch of uh, executives at the at the factory. I made the uh, corporate executive chef, and and we worked together to uh, to uh, to do that presentation. I mean, uh, I brought some batter from from. Berkeley to Idaho just because I don't have the mean to make it over there uh, and I didn't want to let them know how it's made um but uh we 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 had talks about uh them taking over the the potato puff and so we tried uh many many uh variation you know frozen flash frozen and how they read half cooked uh for for a whole day we worked in the kitchen and it, it was a beautiful product I mean it it reheats well. It's it's free. It freezes well. So it, in the right uh, circumstance, it could be it could be tremendous. Yes, um, it, a, a deal didn't happen, which I am very happy it didn't. Just because I wouldn't be the I mean I would be the home of the potato puff, but you know uh, it wouldn't be such a, a selling point for the franchise uh, because you know the only way you can get it it's it's through the franchise Gregoire. Uh, of course, yeah. So, it's unique to that, of course. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I can say, you know, it would not have been nice to see it in all supermarket 10 years ago, <laughs> but you know, uh, I don't, I, the world was not ready or I was not ready and, and uh, they weren't already. So, but that's good. That's good. Sure. Uh, Timing is everything in life and who knows what the future is and what, what the future holds. And you've got your plan and you're following it. And that's yes. a beautiful thing. And, and I know it works. I know it works in the freezer and probably someday I'll take over the, uh, you know, this space as well. Who knows? Anything's possible. Yeah. So when did the franchise idea come in? Is that a recent idea? Because that's a process <clears throat> unto itself as well. We talked about the trademark process being a year. Franchising is so much more involved. So tell us about the idea, when it happened, and what that process was like for you. Well, make, making Gregoire bigger and having having plan of, of growth started uh, day one when we opened the door, just because of uh, the uniqueness of the business. Yeah. Uh, and, and, um, and, uh, the way the, the response of the people. So it was nothing new for 20 years. Now I thought, of, you know, I would, I would be all over the world. Um, I just did not know how to, um, my business, you know, I didn't go to business school. I didn't know I, I I'm, I'm, I'm a chef, I'm a cook, I'm, I'm an operation guy. So, um, I knew I was going to grow, but, uh, a franchise franchise came about three years ago. Uh, I started to really um, learn uh, more about growth and about what would be the best way to grow. I always thought that um, Gregoire would be nice with with a couple or a husband or a wife or a chef or someone with experience in 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 the restaurant and really owning owning that 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 uh, that restaurant and giving themselves to the restaurant would be the best way. Um, and so I think franchise, the franchise model was really the way to, uh, to do that. But for me, franchise was not something Gregoire 
was or could be associated to just because my experience in franchising was only McDonald's and I didn't want, I, di I didn't know and I didn't want uh, Gregoire to become such a organization. But by reading and by listening to podcasts and by listening and talking to a lot of people, this I, I understood the franchise model much, much better than I knew it before. Uh, and I, I, I worked into creating a model uh, of franchising that would really fit our brand. Uh, and that's when we came uh, and, and did the central kitchen with, with, uh, with different franchise where we would sell the product to uh, the franchise. So, um, consistency would be there and they didn't have to invest in high, high paying chefs and they could, uh, have a small staff and a small footprint, just like, uh, we have now. So the franchise model obviously includes, you know, royalty payments to the parent company, the franchisor versus the franchisee, and that includes support and marketing and training nice. and all these things. But it all starts with having your foundational store really, really dialed in terms of the systems. And you mentioned, you know, you you know your food cost down oh, in yeah. a second and all that kind of stuff. But this is something that they don't necessarily need to know because they're duplicating what you've already done, but they still need to run a business. They still need to deliver hospitality, a consistent product, and and maintain, you know, the other financials on the lease of their space. And do you help with all those things? I mean, what's the oh, training yes. program um, like? And, and tell us about that, because that's a key yes. foundational element for someone else to be successful so that your bigger franchise is successful and you don't have failures along the way. Yes, no, it's it's very important. I mean, uh, you, you buy the whole the whole operation system of the restaurants, and we had to adjust uh, Gregoire um, with with uh, the the new franchise model, uh, definitely, because uh, Gregoire now we do all the the preparation uh, in the back. But uh, when we start opening a franchise number one, we will have a central kitchen where we uh, all do all the stuff. Now I hired a company, a great great uh, franchise uh, company, uh, I franchise that helped me really. I've heard of that. Uh, Yep, uh, dialed into uh, how to um, do an operation manual uh, that uh, that uh, will help me uh, work with uh, with the franchisee and, and support them. Um, we also have a, a system called Frank Connect that connect uh, all the franchise together with uh, with uh, the franchisor uh, that help uh, from from sales to opening to uh lease to uh royalty uh, fees to i mean it really is ro very robust um and and of course you know by having uh the culinary hub close by to to the restaurants uh it's always like a phone call away or or an hour or two hours away uh to get help uh they can come to the culinary hub or we can go to the restaurant actually we will we'll go there every day to deliver food you know, so there is no franchise like it, you know, that have really someone from corporate every day to your, at your business to help you out. So you've had professionals create the template and the framework that's easily followed. And then you've got a network that connects all your individual franchisees with yourself. And then the help and the support is there. That's tremendous. How many, I, I, I think I read somewhere, maybe it was on the website that you're planning like 10 locations in the Bay Area before you start thinking about expansion elsewhere by end of say next year right yeah yeah well you know it, it's taking longer than than uh than i thought i really need to mm -hmm. find the right uh person i mean what i'm looking for is really someone that uh that is very implanted in the neighborhood their their uh their business is going to be 
uh, they have to be a mini me, you know, they like to talk to people. They like to, I don't want them to be super chef. I don't want, actually, they don't have to have culinary experience at all. Personality that's going to yeah, work with the customers and build the business and be a personality much like yourself following your model. Well, you yes. know, that, that brings up another point. Um, one of the big challenges in franchising is sometimes people think they have a better idea of doing things. And some franchises have some flexibility in new menu items. And if you run it by me, and if I think it'll work, we'll try it. And others are like, no, absolutely. You must stick to the strict formula. And this is what we offer. And there's no flexibility at all. Uh, where do you fit into that? So it, this is the this is the best part of Gregoire. See, I mean the Bay Area. I know, uh, and and I listen to the customers. You know, I didn't have many salads before. Now I have salads. I didn't have soup. Now I have soup. I mean, the business evolved and changed over the years. You no, know? yeah. Um, the best thing with our business is that we change the menu quarterly. Okay, so we can adapt to any palette, any situation, any area. So the the business uh, model in Los Angeles, we'll use product from Los Angeles, and we'll have you know uh, um, sandwiches that people like in Los Angeles. Now in in Florida, it'll be based more on uh, uh, the stuff that's uh, based in Florida. And when we go to New York, we'll have you know stuff that is more. Uh, from the New York area and, and the palette from the New York area. So this is why this franchise is really interesting, you know, yeah, so we is. can, you know, tailor it to, to, uh, really your customers and, and your franchise, your franchise, uh, franchisees. Yeah. Well. Local flavors and all that sort of thing and influences yes. in different parts of the country are going to be important provided the quality is there and you're using fine ingredients with those same techniques. So does that mean that when you start branching outside of California or even Los Angeles and then Florida, New York, Texas, all these ideas that you'll need additional commissary kitchens to then serve those markets? That is correct. And you'll duplicate all of that in, in new regions of the country. <clears throat> Yes. And this is why, wow. you know, you asked me earlier, you said, oh, you know, it's going to take you 10 restaurants and uh, to be able to build somewhere else. Yeah, because we want to make sure that the model we have here works and makes money for the franchisee. Mm -hmm. OK, I know it makes money for me, but I want to make sure it makes money for the franchisee, um, for a franchise partner. OK. Um, and 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 the, that culinary hub will be duplicable, you know, to other market and using um, uh, other market, other product from other markets. Yes. Well, this is tremendous. This is, this has been a great, great, great story. Let me ask you my, my last question. Um, my wife and I've sort of gotten really into that Netflix show, the bear. Have you seen it? <laughs> Have you watched it? You know, I, I, gosh, I looked at the first one, I watched it and it, I mean, it was, it's over the top. It really is over the top. I mean, life is not like that and i mean there is some similarity but it's all exaggerated to make viewers watch more of course uh, so there's drama I mean, and there's hot tempers and there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening partially but, true partially not yep yeah no i mean okay so yes you know all this happened it's all true but not in one place you know you have a hot chef in one place that has something crazy. You you have things happening in another place, but they they took all these wild stories and put it all in one restaurant. It's it doesn't make sense, you know. I mean, so I I've lived all this, you know. I I I did and more, 
and more and more uh i've i've done so much stuff i mean 40 years of cooking and 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 sharing and and training so yes it all happens it's all true but not in one show it's interesting in that i'm completely surprised because we watched all of season 1 and and as you know and as a, many of our audience knows it was you know a, a a real chef that tried to professionalize a local sandwich shop in chicago and all the crazy stuff that he inherited because his brother that died that owned this shop didn't have any of the systems in place and it was kind of chaos and they were you know it was not an upscale menu by any means but now he's trying to make it a professional environment and everybody calls each other chef and all that and that's what i thought the series was going to be and now season two you may or may not be aware that they're actually turning it into a fine dining operation and he's sent these people to like cooking school he sent one guy to belgium to learn how to make desserts and he sent two of his cooks to like cooking school where everything's buttoned up and it's unbelievable and now they're trying to go for michelin stars i guess so it's kind of an yes. evolving story but but it it is it is true it is i mean somewhat i mean like i said you know it's all it's all in one show but yeah um restaurant and restaurateur they they have to involve their people they have to invest in their people they have to uh, give them the tools to learn more if they want to be better, you know. And and so in some way, yes, you know, they'll they'll send this some send their people in other businesses to learn. It's very true. But you know, like I said, it's it's one show and to to make the thrill of it. Those of us that are in the industry, I mean, we may find it comical, we may find it entertaining, but I had to check it out just because you know I'm passionate about the business and yeah I, I find everything that you find as well and sure there are unrealistic aspects to it but it's pretty popular right now yes yes no it's 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 entertaining it's entertaining oh you know what the last thing i want to ask is you, you're obviously working specifically on on your franchise model but you've got a referral incentive for people to refer some yeah. franchise deals that actually close do you want to talk about that in, in yes, closing yes so tell us about I mean, that uh, the, the the fee is is um it's it's a i mean in order to to uh to sign into a franchise it the, the fee is forty thousand mm dollar -hmm. um when you deal with with brokers when you deal with um with uh people that find franchise you you have to pay them that you have to pay them twenty thirty thousand dollars some of course amount of, yeah crazy amount of money um I, you know I want to, I, I'm for the people. See, I, I like my community and I want to reward my community before anything else, you know, and, and if my community, uh, knows about somebody, uh, that want to open a franchise or that it's interested to open a franchise, uh, I'm, I'm, we are willing to give them that, that, uh, portion of the, uh, the, the fee that, uh, that we get because, you know, it's better it goes to them than it goes to uh, to a broker or to someone that really doesn't have an affinity with the business. So uh, if if you know someone and you come your your customers, you mm -hmm. you've seen that and and it will give you ten thousand uh, dollar straight up if if uh, if your referral sign sign uh, a deal for one restaurant and if they sign for two, you get twenty thousand dollar. Every time they open uh, a yeah. restaurant, you'll get you'll get a referral fee. That's that's not only a very generous incentive, but I think you're helping find the exact type of people. So there's a hook in that that I'm seeing because yes. you're very specific about who is going to open these franchises and they've got to be mirroring 
all of your philosophies and the way you treat customers and just that genuine authenticity. And that's hard to find. So I think yes. it's wonderful that, that you're offering this. This yes. is tremendous. I, I so enjoyed spending time with you today. Well, thank you, Sam. I wish you all the best of success in the future. And I can't wait to share this episode. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I really appreciate talking to you. You're a really good host. And it was a pleasure, really. <laughs> My and I pleasure. love the cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cat's the cat's name is Sassy because she's got a little Sassy. bit of attitude. <laughs> That's good, and she doesn't like anybody in the house except me. And she no. she hates the dog, and she's got attitude, and yeah, she doesn't like to be touched or pet. But she'll sit all over me, and I can oh. pet her all day long in the studio. So it's that Sassy. But thank you. <clears throat> well, thank you. It was a nice uh, a nice uh, addition. That was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. Thank you so much, audience, for tuning in. Can't wait to see you next time. Stay well and stay tuned. Thank you so much, Gregoire. You know, one of the things I love most about this business are the interesting people that I meet and those that have a passion for hospitality and great food and for running businesses, not necessarily running restaurants. And you certainly are running a business and you have very interesting backstory growing up in France and your early influences and then your experience in multiple parts of the world, working as a banquet chef and working in the hotel space and then coming up with the brainchild for Gregoire and now franchising it after coming up with a really interesting signature dish. So what a great episode this was. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, I'm always appreciative of my audience for tuning in. It's growing and people really give us great feedback on you know all the lessons that we bring them and just all the best practices of what interesting people in the business are doing in our industry. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Can't wait to share the next episode with you. So we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to, to the, the Restaurant, Restaurant Rockstars, Rockstars Podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.